What's up, listeners? This is the Sports Forecasters Podcast, and episode five was jam-packed of so much material that we had to split it up into two separate episodes. So you're going to be listening to episode five, part one, and be ready for part two. It's going to be coming out to you early next week. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is the next episode of the Sports Forecasters brought to you by Nick and Nate. How are we doing today, Nick? What do we have to talk about today for our great audience? Well, for this week's episode, we're looking at how is the NBA stacking up coming into the All-Star break. Then we're going to take a dive into NFL free agency, specifically the quarterback position, seeing where some guys may be going or will we be seeing some heading out to the pasture? Wow. This sounds awesome. I, I'm really excited to talk about the NBA especially, and I love to forecast some free agents, especially in football. So I'm really excited about this episode. So what do we got? What do we got up first? So we got where the NBA All Star break this weekend, which is, you know, there's a lot of hard feelings about this. A lot of players not a big fan of this this year. But as a fan and as podcasters, I sure am a fan of this. So we're gonna give out some midseason awards, aren't we, Nick? We're gonna be looking at. How are things looking at this point in the season? And things we're going to look at, the half-point MVP, who looks like they're lighting the world on fire for the league, who's the best for their team. And then we're going to also be looking at some team awards, looking at the most surprising team at this point last year in terms of number of games, and then the most disappointing team at this point in the year based on the same number of games from last season to this season. Then we're going to give an award for best acquisition and at the end, we're going to forecast who do we think will end up being the MVP in the end of it. Sixth man of the year, defensive player of the year, maybe coach of the year, as well as give our quick power rankings of where the NBA is stacking up at this half point juncture. So, Nathan, let's go ahead and start it off with the big dogs. Who is our half season MVP in your eyes? So you got you did your homework here and you put, you put a good list together for us. Um, there's actually one guy on here that I would actually consider, but I'm not going to pick that you didn't put on here. Um, his name's Chris Paul. Um, and I'll get to him later and as we talk about our other items here. But halfway point MVP, I'm going to go with Steph Curry. And this is why. Now, most people, and I'm one of them, I didn't think Steph Curry can be the guy. I really didn't. I thought once I heard Clay Thompson go down, and not a big fan of their second overall pick at James Wiseman, I, uh, I thought they could have done better. <laughs> and anyways... I just thought this was going to be another abysmal year for the Warriors. I thought Steph Curry was just going to like try to do too much, kind of have a down year because he wants to be that man. I just didn't think he could be that man. But this guy is going out averaging 30 points a game, 
uh, which, by the way, I'm kind of curious. I know we projected the top uh, points per game by midseason. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see. Maybe Nick, you can look this up while I'm talking. But who who won that? Who won that uh, competition? Was it Bradley Beal or, or Steph Curry? I don't know what Bradley Beal ended up with. I mean, you can look that up while I'm talking here. But I, I think Steph Curry's the MVP. 30 points, uh, nearly six rebounds, and over six assists a game. But more importantly, he is carrying a very young Warriors team. And he just kind of looks like that dad on that team with a bunch of kids that he's trying to train and, and to help and, and to bring up to speed. And he's got them in playoff contention. Uh, this is... If it wasn't for Steph, this is a bottom three team. And he's putting up the stats along with being a great leader and carrying that team on his shoulders. So he is my halfway point MVP. What about you? Well, just to piggyback off what you asked about, Bradley Beal ended up being the halfway scoring leader, and we both thought Embiid would drop down. Actually, he rose to second with 30 points, and now Steph Curry is third with 29.7 points. So Bradley did come back a little bit because he was 33 when we talked about him earlier, but Embiid went a completely different trajectory than what we had previously thought with Steph getting closer, but not as close as I had said or thought he would. So you can't account for injuries. And like you said, with Steph being the dad, he wasn't able to be that just go out and shoot it guy. He has to be a facilitator, too, for his team. Missing big piece like Clay puts a lot more pressure on you to make sure that you're in a good position for your team. So jumping off that wagon, going into this half-point MVP, uh, Steph Curry is definitely a great candidate. If they had comeback player of the year and Kevin Durant had played last season, Steph Curry would be the runaway candidate for that. But him and Durant will be it. I know that award doesn't exist for the NBA, but that those two would be those picks for that award that I'm thrown into the NBA landscape. Anyways, back to the topic at hand. Halfway point MVP. I mean, LeBron James always has a great case for it. He's in the same boat as Michael Jordan, where every season you can contend that when those players were in action, they could be MVP. For LeBron, he's definitely had to shoulder a larger role than what he signed up for with Anthony Davis being out. But for me, halfway point MVP, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. It's just been impressive how he's been more consistent this year and just more of a presence for his team. And since it's only a half-point MVP, not an end-of-season MVP, I just feel like he's just made that case, earn it for this halfway point, putting the 76ers at the top of the Eastern Conference, which is very tight still, but putting them up there and just taking on that role of being the leader, just taking charge of the team, which the 76ers for a long time lacked that identity, and now he's just becoming the cornerstone for that franchise. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that pick. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's still hanging in there. But come playoff time, we'll see. That's my... That's. I was going to say, that's why I said halfway point. Like, right now, I can't take it away from him from the work he's put together at this point in the season. Just, it's been impressive. Like you and I thought, we thought there'd be a downturn for him at this point, and... He's had some games off, but for the most part, he's been on and really just taking it two teams, really. All right. Well, what's what's next? What else are we going to talk about? Well, the next thing we're going to head into, since we're still talking about individual players, I thought it'd be a good moment to talk about the best acquisition. What team benefited the most from an acquisition this season up to this point? Uh, candidates put down were James Harden, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder. Drew Holiday or Victor Oladipo? 
Well, I think this is the probably the easiest decision. I'm really curious. Who do you think I'm going to pick? I think based on the prelude to this, Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. By, I mean, by far. This is a Suns team that, yes, they caught a little bit of fire at the end of last season, but they needed veteran leadership on that team. I don't think Booker is, I don't. I really don't think Booker is a leader. I think he's a great two guy. I know people praise him. I think people think he's undervalued. I think Chris Paul's undervalued. That, that dude's a great leader. I mean, every year, this guy brings his team to the playoff. It doesn't matter who he plays for. I mean, he, he went to the rebuilding Oklahoma City Thunder and was a five seed last year, a six seed, somewhere in there. Like, no one expected that. Now he goes to a kind of a rebuilding Suns team, per se. I mean, maybe they're more on the up and up. Uh, but they're, what, number two in the West when we recorded this episode? The Phoenix Suns. Unbelievable job that this guy has done. And, and a credit to Monty Williams as well as their coach. But by far, Chris Paul, what do you got? Most people, when they hear the name, the names that we threw out here, James Harden, Dennis Schroeder would definitely stick out. But I have to go with Chris Paul as well. James Harden was just adding more ammo to the big guns Yuri had. So James Harden being added to Brooklyn Nets, yes, takes him into a, another caliber in, in their pursuit for a championship. I feel like Brooklyn Nets would still be a top contender in the East with or without him. He definitely makes it more in play for them. They're more in contention because he's there. He's definitely my runner-up. Dennis Schroeder has been a great addition for the Lakers because of Anthony Davis being out. It'll be, I'll be curious to see how he integrates once Anthony Davis is back in the full swing. But Chris Paul, like you said, the Suns were this team on the bubble trying to fight for a playoff spot, fell a little short when it came down to those few games they did play in the bubble. And they went home. I feel like Chris Paul has definitely given him that direction. But they seem more focused in what they're doing in their attack. And they're just right there in the mix of the West. Like you said, they're the second seed going into the All-Star break. Obviously, there's a lot of the season still to go. But being the second seed from last year where you're barely looking in the playoffs and being where you're at, Chris Paul just has to be the best acquisition for him. He gave him the leadership. And like you said, all of the teams he's ever been on, have been playoff contenders and the Suns are looking to take that step forward as well. Well, we agree there. It looks like, well, what do we got next? What do we, t- what are we forecasting next? Now we're going to make our pick and this is one of our all season awards. So, so far we've done halfway point MVP. We've done best acquisition. Now we're going to look at the teams who has been the most disappointing team in your view, this NBA season up to the halfway point. To me, it's got to be, the Dallas Mavericks. There's a lot of teams on here that you have. I mean, people said, I mean, Miami Heat would be an obvious one because they were in the finals. But let's be honest, if it wasn't for the bubble, they would haven't even probably passed the first round in in the playoff. And they were just, they were built for the bubble. They were a young team that didn't have families or anything. And they just, they went there to do business and they were catching fire at the right time. That's why they got to where they got. People could say the Bucks. I actually anticipate the Bucks not being good, so I'm I'm not disappointed. I guess I'm not surprised that they're disappointing, so I'm not going to put them there. Um, and then the Celtics is another one that uh, people would put up there, but I don't, you know, probably contrary to popular belief, I, I haven't seen enough from Jason Tatum for me to feel like he's a he's a number one guy on a team, and I still think he he doesn't he's too introverted, he's too to himself. I don't see him being a great leader, not vocal enough, 
to really lead a team, and and I think that's why they're struggling. So I don't, I, I'm not finding that as a surprise. But Dallas Mavericks, I am. I mean, people thought Luka was going to win MVP this year, and I mean, we had him on the list, but he's like on the bottom of our list that we have here. We neither of us even blinked an eye and, and, and gave him consideration for MVP, and people thought he was the front runner for it this year. People thought Dallas was going to be at least a top three or four team this year, and they may not even be in the playoff. Uh, I thought Luka was the real deal. I thought Luka could lead his team, but he just looks like a guy that's out there not making his teammates better. He's just making himself better, and he is getting better, but he's not making his teammates better, and that's why they're, they're where they're at, and I... I didn't anticipate that from him, and so I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in Dallas. I think that's by far the disappointing team in the NBA so far. What's yours? Well, like you said, there's a few teams down from last year, and a few of the teams we have on this list, Houston and the Pacers and Oklahoma City, those are teams that are a little behind the ball from where they were with this number of games last year, but all of their cases make sense. They've lost marquee players trade them away. So the fact that they're behind from where they were last year isn't a big surprise. I feel like anyone you would talk to that follows the NBA wouldn't be surprised Houston's back several wins from last year. Oklahoma City, they lost Chris Paul and them kind of being a rudderless ship. It's not surprising they're behind. Pacers getting rid of Olin Depot. Not a surprise there. Bucks were surprising to see that they were back 10 games. But like you alluded to, I felt like last season it was surprising they were able to overachieve as long as they did not to say they aren't a winning nba team in the eastern conference but for them to be the top seed all last year that was a bit surprising for me i thought the celtics would catch up a bit or close that gap and they did for a while but then we had the shutdown and everything the heat being behind i totally agree with you i I felt like I was in bizarre world when they made the finals. I'm like, how did they make the finals? Like of all the teams over in the East, I thought they were the least likely to make it through, but they did it and they had their shot. So for me, there's not a team in the East. I felt like was the most disappointing. I have to concur with you. The Dallas Mavericks was the team. Everyone hyped up to be on the up and up. Everyone thought they were going to be this top contender. And up until recently, They were high in the playoff picture. They are now the eighth seed as of this recording. But before that, they were 10th, 11th. So they've caught a little bit of fire in terms of win streaks. But for the most part, they're nowhere near what we thought they would be. For the GM of that franchise, you almost wonder, do we have to shake things up? What do we have to get here to help our team get to where we thought we should be? I have to agree with you, Nathan. I mean... I know it's not much parity with us agreeing, but for me, there's no team on this list or in the league right now that's more disappointing than the Dallas Mavericks, this team that was touted to have the best player, the MVP, the potential league MVP, and they're just barely calling into the playoff picture at this point. Wow, we're, we're agreeing on all cylinders today. I like it. All right, what's your uh, most surprising team? For me, the most surprising team, first, let's go through the rundown of what we're looking at here. We looked at... 35-37 games last season, comparing it to this season, 35-37 games for now. Obviously, there's some adjustment because of COVID and stuff like that, but we did the best we can with the numbers. And up to this point, we have the teams that are, have more wins now than they did last year would be 
the Knicks, the Hawks, Nets, Spurs, Trailblazers, Jazz, and Suns. So those are your teams. I'm not going to give the number of them because that might just ruin it all. But for me, I'm going to go with the outlier because I think I know where you're going to go with it, Nathan. And that team is definitely deserving. But I'm going to let you have that thunder for that. The team I'm going to say most surprising because when I looked at the standings, I almost had to do a double take is the New York Knicks for me. The New York Knicks have been in ambiguity for so long since the days, the unceremonious departure of Carmelo Anthony. They've just been a bottom feeder for so long. And for them at the halfway point to be a 500 team, I know that's nothing to write home for, but I know New York fans have been waiting for something to cheer for, to look at. And being in the Eastern Conference, they may have a legit shot of making the playoffs, which would be the first time in who knows how many years without me looking it up. So I'm going to go with the Knicks right now just because they were a team that no one really expected a lot. And right now, based on the standings, they're a fifth seed at the halfway point. So that's surprising. doesn't mean they're going to maintain that. I hope they do for New York's sake and for the franchise's sake. But we'll see what happens. Who do you have for the most surprising team, Nathan? Yeah, I'm. now that you uh, said that, I'm really curious who I'm going to pick. What was your guess? My guess was the Suns. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not correct there. I Oh, I, I, when they got Chris Paul and I love their coach, Monty Williams, I love that coach. I, I wish Monty Williams was still in, in New Orleans when he had AD, when they made the playoffs, when AD was there. I think he's a great coach. I, I hated to see him get fired there. I'm glad he's coaching again. And now look what their number two seed in the West. So amazing. So I'm a huge Monty Williams fan, a huge Chris Paul fan. So I'm not surprised about the Suns. I'm not at all. I knew they were going to be good. I mean, I, if you remember in the episodes, uh, one of our earlier episodes, we were kind of talking about NBA standings. Um, Suns were like four or five at the time. And I said, by the end of the season, Suns are going to be number three. I think it's going to be two LA teams and then the Suns. I had them beating the Jazz out, who at the time were the hottest team in the league and number one in the West, which leads me to my most surprising team. The Jazz. Why are they still number one in the league? This is incredible. I can't believe this. This is a team that blew a 3-1 to lead in the playoff last year. When I see a team like that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, they're 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 in for abysmal season next year. And, and so they were kind of hot there, and I'm like, oh, this is just a phase. They're not slowing down. They, they're killing teams. I, I mean, they're, they're insane win streak here with a couple losses in there have been like most of them are averaging double digits i think only two of their ones were by single digits it's unbelievable what they're doing and the the reason i'm, I'm so surprised by this is not not because they blew through not just because they blew through one one lead last year but the reason i'm most surprised by this is that they supermax contracts both donovan mitchell and rudy gobert typically when they when someone gets paid a lot of money I, I just, I wait for the down year. They see the cash in their bank, and then they kind of get a little, I don't know, lax, because, well, they earned it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a business, right? Yeah, you got the cash. You know, you, this is what you worked hard for, and then you kind of take a step back. And I thought I thought we are going to see that from the Jazz. I thought we are going to see a little, a little less from Rudy Gobert, a little less from the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. And then losing the first round of playoffs, I just thought, they're going to, I could see them barely making the playoffs this year let alone the best record in the NBA. This is crazy to me. This is all because of Quinn Snyder. Great coach. I know we're getting to coach of the year later. <laughs> Maybe a little foreshadowing here, but he is solely responsible for this team. All right. So you're surprising team of the year, I would say, going on a limb at this point. Utah Jazz then? For a halfway point MVP, Nathan said Steph Curry 
I went with Joel Embiid. For our most disappointing team, we both said Dallas Mavericks. Best acquisition of the season up to this point. I mean, obviously, we still have the trade deadline, so we'll see if this changes. Really don't see it happening, though. We both say Chris Paul. And then most surprising team, I went with the New York Knicks, and then Nathan went with the Utah Jazz. By the way, oh, I do want to say, you had a very, I mean, you can't go wrong with the Knicks because no one saw that coming. When they hired Tom Thibodeau, back in my mind, I'm like, this is a playoff team next year. He's another coach that, for some reason, gets fired everywhere he goes. <laughs> Just like Monty Williams. But Tom Thibodeau and Monty Williams, I'm huge fans of them. And wherever they go, they're, they, it doesn't matter what team they have. They're, they're going to make the playoffs. And so that's why I'm not – that's why I didn't pick the Suns or the Knicks because coaching does matter. And people don't say – a lot of people say it in the NBA it doesn't, but it, it truly does matter. And, and seeing those two teams in, where they're at because they're coaching, that's why I didn't have them up there. But still, it is definitely surprising that the Knicks are up there. Tom Thibodeau has been a great coach in the years with his Bulls and other teams he's been with throughout the years. And yeah, it's unfortunate that these guys have to find other places to rebuild, but it's awesome to see them still in the league, still able to build those model of consistencies, those winning teams or those playoff teams at least. So now let's go ahead and try to forecast as of right now, who do we think are going to be the NBA award winners by the end of the season. We're going to go ahead and we're going to start with defensive player of the year. Who do you think Nathan will be the defensive player of the year by the end of this NBA season based on right now? So I'm going to give your halfway point MVP some more than I'm going to pick Joel Embiid. He's been amazing this year. It's just, I don't think a center is going to win the MVP, but I feel like he needs to be recognized in some way, shape or form because he's really renewing that center position like the old school center position where we're getting double doubles every night consistently but also playing great defense so I'm gonna go with Joel Embiid on this one and I don't think Giannis is gonna get it I think Rudy Gobert could could get it because Utah is one of the top defenses, if not the best defense in the league this year. So it's going to be between Embiid and Gobert, but I think Gobert won it last year, maybe even two years in a row now. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I think Embiid is playing lights out, but he won't get the MVP. So he'll, you know, there's some politics involved, so they'll give him the defense play of the year. Who do you got? I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I think Embiid's going to get the rub because when it comes to the end of the season, even though I picked him for the half-season MVP, I don't think he's going to be the end of the season MVP. NBA does not want their talent to be unnoticed. So I believe at the end of the season, he'll end up being defensive MVP because he will miss out on the MVP. So that will lead us to who do we believe is going to be the MVP of the league? Nathan, who do you have at the end of the season league MVP? Dang it, I wanted you to go first here. That is, uh, this is tough. I'm not going to lie. I look at the Nets. So you always look at the top teams. I look at the Nets, and I think, well, you got three fantastic offensive players. Kevin Durant's hurt too much. He's not going to get it. So I don't think anywhere there. And then the 76ers, like I said, Joel Embiid will be in the conversation, but I don't think he'll ultimately get it. Then you go out west, and I feel like out west you have a lot more firepower regarding MVP conversations. And... I think ultimately, at the end of the year, they're going to give it to LeBron. 
And even though the funny part is, I don't, I think this is year he, he doesn't really deserve it because I truly look at value, um, not necessarily stats or, or star statistics. Who do I think if you took them off that team would have as the significant, most significant blow in their record? And I don't think LeBron is there because I think he's showing with AD out. He's not really leading his team to a lot of wins. But I think he'll ultimately win the MVP because of the numbers he is putting up and the fact that the Lakers will be a top two or three seed in the West. And they're the defending champs. And at the age he's at and at the level he's playing, and I think he has been ripped off a lot of MVPs in the past. I think this year is going to be like, okay, well, what's a makeup year? We're going to give you one because to award him for how great he is at the age he's at. So I think ultimately LeBron James will get the NBA MVP. What do you think? Well, I wanted to give it to you because I wasn't sure who to give it to either by the end of the season because this year, like you've alluded to, there's just not that stat stuffer or person that's just leading the charge that it's insurmountable to catch up with them. Our halfway point candidates that we had up stat lines look very similar, very close. It's just little things here and there that may be higher than someone else, but nothing that's outstanding. None of this triple double every night or double doubles. It's just, it just seems like everyone's really close or close in that stat line. And like you said, I don't think anyone in the Nets will end up with it. Not that they're not great players. It's just Durant's hurt too much. Harden and Kyrie do well, but Harden isn't the guy anymore. So he's not putting up the ridiculous amount of numbers that won him or gave him consideration back in Houston. That that eliminates that team. The Clippers, Kawhi, he does well for his team. He's the most valuable player for his team. But for the league, he just... He's not blowing you away with the numbers, and he does take nights off here and there, so that eliminates him from that conversation. Giannis just isn't what he was previous seasons when he won it. Uh, 76ers, Embiid is looking great right now. For a center to maintain that the whole season in today's NBA, I just I don't know that it's going to be that. I'm going to doubt Embiid again, and I don't think he's going to end up with it as well. Like you said with the Celtics, Tatum isn't really season the bull by his by the horns he would be their favorite from that team so i'm just kind of working my way through all these teams trying to eliminate it and basically it comes down for me it's going to come down to damian lillard or lebron james and hear me out bradley beal could have a chance for it if he gets the wizards in contention but unfortunately they're that's not going to happen he's just going to have gaudy numbers He'll get the scoring title probably in the end at this point. Damian Lillard, I think, has the best shot for MVP to supersede LeBron James. I think in the end, it's going to end up being LeBron James, but I think Damian Lillard has the best shot of doing it based on what he's working with and based on the team expectation. No one was expecting the Trailblazers to be this blow-your-pants-off type team, but Lillard fought where they're a fifth seed, one spot below the Lakers. Granted, the Lakers don't have AD right now, but... Who does Lillard have behind him that's at the same caliber of AD or LeBron? I would say no one. So I would think Lillard has a shot to get that MVP. But I think, like you said, in the end, LeBron James is going to get it. You said mostly like a makeup call, but really because the field is just so close and no one really stands out. So when in doubt, go with your big 
your big name. So I think LeBron James, like you said, is going to end up with it. I I kind of want to see parody and see someone like Lillard get the rub because I know he really puts it out there for his team to be in there, be in contention, and be a playoff contender. So we'll see what happens with that. But I right now, if I had to go based on what we're seeing, how things are going, I think LeBron James ends up mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. I, I you're very good explanation. I, I do think Dame is going to, uh, if he can keep his stats up and keep the trailblazers in that, you know, four or five seed range. Absolutely. I think, I think he deserves to be up there. All right. So the next thing we're going to look at would be sixth man of the year. And I'm going to be honest, this award's pretty hard for me to look at because I feel like sixth man of the year is someone that it has to be a playoff team first off. And then who is that best contributor during the playoffs? Because a lot of the times the awards come in the middle of the postseason or towards the end of the postseason. Nathan, who do you have for the sixth man of the year? Yeah, I'm going to keep this short. I look at a team that plays more as a team, that has a lot of depth, and I think this is no question about it. Jordan Clarkson out of Utah. Who do you got? I'm going to go in the Eastern Conference for the sixth man, Shake Milton. This is going to be another makeup call, and they're going to give Shake Milton the sixth player of the year because of the 76ers being the first or second seed in the Eastern Conference. They don't have a lot more than that. Like you said, keeping it short and sweet for the sixth man of the year. (laughs) There we go. Next thing we're going to look at is an award I think is going to be more contentious the more we look at this, depending on how this season ends up. Coach of the year. Who do we think, based on the halfway point to the end of the season, will be coach of the year? Nathan, I'll go ahead and take first since I left you out the drive for the MVP. Coach of the year, really it's going to come down to what team what team looks the best for the majority of the end of the regular season and going into the early stages of the playoffs. Just going by where we see teams are going to be or where we think teams are going to be, I don't think Tyron Lue is going to get it. Tom Thibodeau, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think the Knicks are going to make that big of a push in the end. I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be... Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams will get it for the Suns because of the growth they made from last year, being that last team out to getting in where they could be potentially a first or second seed. I really see them more as a probably fourth or fifth seed in the end, but still Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns ends up being the coach of the year for the NBA. How about you, Nathan? Great pick. You know how much I love him. Uh, So I think he has just as best a shot as anybody out there. And so I'm going to give you my Top five. Steve Nash, Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, Tom Thibodeau, Doc Rivers. Yeah, I laugh at Doc Rivers. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm just surprised how well Philly's playing. I'm surprised how well he hasn't been playing. And so I think he deserves to be in that conversation. But he's the first one I'm going to scratch off this list because he's a good coach. He's had success. And so I don't think it's a surprising. <laughs> and unfortunately, I feel like when you're a good coach and I've had a lot of success, just like in the MVP, it's harder to, to keep winning that just because it's like, well, we know you're good, right? We want someone different. So I think that's why he won't ultimately win it. And it's not like Philly was a bad team that he inherited. Um, so I, I look at someone like Steve Nash. Um, we've seen first-year coaches get it before. They had a really successful team. But I think Steve Nash is not going to get it simply because of the fact his team stacked. And I think I could coach that team and have a, uh, a pretty good chance of making the playoff with those three players. So even though I do like what he's doing there, the next one I'm going to take off is Tom Thibodeau. Love what he's doing. He's going to take the Knicks to the playoffs, but exactly what you said, I don't think he's going to have a big enough push. I think the Knicks will probably ultimately be like a six, seven or eight seed in the East, not 
If he gets in the top four, I think he, he's very well in contention. But if he's a lower part of the East by the end of the year, which I assume he will be, yeah, probably not. So this is between Monty Williams and Quinn Snyder. And I want to pick Monty so bad, and I think he has a real shot at it. But I'm going with Quinn Snyder. And and I alluded to this earlier because I, I'm shocked of how well the Jazz are playing. And then that's that's how I look at Coach of the Year. What What's the most surprising team? That team's coach is winning Coach of the Year. Because a surprising team to me is is a team that we tend to just look at players, right? That's why with disappointing team, we, we talk about Mavericks. Why? Because we thought the players would play better. When you look at a team that we didn't think the players would play as well, and they're playing way above their expectations. I, I, I tend to credit the coach for that. And so I'm going with Quinn Snyder. And that's why the Jazz are my most surprising team. Monty Williams, though, if he gets it, I would be just as ecstatic because he deserves it. They both do. Co-coach of the year. Let's just let's just give them both the award. <laughs> that's what I say. Just to recap, who we think based on this point to what we're projecting for the end of the season, MVP, you went with Nathan. LeBron James. And I went with LeBron James as well. For defensive player of the year, we Nathan, you went with? I went with Joel Embiid. And then I went with Joel Embiid as well. Then sixth man of the year, you went with? Clarkson out of Utah. For sixth man of the year, I went with Shake Milton. And then coach of the year, I went with Monty Williams. And Nathan, you said? I went with Quinn Snyder. Very good. 